I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello and welcome to One Up, delivered through the Anfield Index podcast channel. I'm your host as ever, Guy Drinkle, and joining me is Carl, as usual. How are you doing, Carl? I'm good today. The guy, how about yourself? I am. I'm pretty good, but I'm really looking forward to this podcast because the game we're going to preview, I've been looking forward to for the best part of ten bloody years, and this is. Well, now it's a now it's more of a franchise, but now it's about one of my favourite games ever, and the upcoming sequel slash prequel, Red Dead Redemption. We promised it in previous pods, and it's here now, Carl, isn't it? That's it. It's it's the one we've all been waiting for. The you know last week was we had some interesting news, but I think we both had it in the back of our heads. We, we were both looking. F- towards this podcast and it's finally here we're one week away from actually having the game so i think it's it's kind of safe to say there probably won't be a podcast next week but i'm sure our our listeners will forgive us and and they probably won't even have time to listen because they'll be so busy playing the game yeah never mind a podcast there won't be time to fit in like eating drinking washing and all that all that jazz never mind speaking for an hour and a bit but yeah it's it's one week away now and um, we best get through this podcast and then we can get back to the longest week in our lifetime but Carl as ever we'll start with a bit of news and promise listeners we won't go over the top like we did last week with the news but Carl what's in the news this week I know it's a bit of a slow one yeah so it has been a a slow enough week Um, I mean I think that the news has been dominated with by one story which we'll which we'll get to later um when we're previewing the game but 
Um, the first story today is uh, comes from Eurogamer and it was written by Tom Phillips and it is UK Mags Games TM and Games Master shut down. And Tom writes, veteran UK video game magazines Games TM and Games Master are to close. Both mags are in the process of publishing their final issues. Eurogamer's sister site GamesIndustry.biz announced this morning. Future, the publisher of both magazines, said staff would be redeployed at the company. Games TM launched in 2002 at Imagine Publishing until the latter was acquired by Future a couple of years ago. Since then, Games TM has been published by the same company as Future's own Edge. Games Master launched in January 1993, an astonishing 25 years ago. Both magazines' final issues arrived first November. Quote, despite the company's strong performance overall, unfortunately, Games TM and Games Master are no longer profitable parts of the business. End quote, Future said. Quote, the decision was an extremely difficult one, but everyone here is enormously proud of what the magazines have achieved in their lifetimes. End quote. And you can read the full story over on, on Eurogamer. Um, you know, I, it, it's it's to be expected that you know print media is 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 a dying you know kind of medium but at the same time it's it's sad to see magazines go because you know uh, games tm like I, I actually bought a few issues uh, way back when 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 i was um subscribed to uh, edge magazine for the best part of 4 years which which obviously comes from from uh, future publishing as well and you know games master although i i don't think i ever bought it you know myself you know i always remember seeing it and you know it, it, it's been around for 25 years i mean the, the magazine's you know nearly as old as i am um so it, it, it is sad to, to see them go i mean do you have any experience with these magazines guy or with any gaming magazines in general uh, i've never been that much of a magazine reader in my lifetime because I think we're obviously quite similar age, but I might be on the slightly younger part where all the news is kind of internet-based and rather than magazine. I mean, I got a few copies of um, official Xbox magazine that used to be a, a stocking filler at Christmas time, actually. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's sad that people. Well, it, it's it's sad in a way, and it's good that. Um, the bigger company is looking after the staff as well, saying they're going to get moved moved into a different part of the company, which is a good thing. But um, the the point you said there about print media is now um, kind of going the way of the dodo. I, I fully agree. I mean, I have a journalism degree that uh, I I made dust off at one point, but this is kind of journalisticy. <laughs> but um, yeah, when when I was doing that, I, I learned about. Um, how print media needs to revolutionise and all and evolve and all that stuff and pretty much it's sink or swim and only the only the best and biggest would probably survive in this age but uh, yeah it's I think it's just a way of life in general you probably see it more so in newspapers in the future but just just in the overall scheme of things print is it's it's just not what it used to be and with with technology the way it is it's the way print's going if you if you don't have your news via twitter or facebook or if you've got the individual apps on your your tablets or your phones it's 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 just it's not going to happen anymore and uh, yeah as long as the employees are being looked after that that's the best part of that story for me 
Yeah, I mean, that, that is a positive thing. And, and of course, um, future publishing do still have some games magazines going, such as Edge. And, you know, Edge is, you know, as I said, I was a subscriber for the best part of four years and I only had to give it up because it was just taking up too much space and I just wasn't getting around to reading the magazines because I like a lot of people get a lot of my news online and, you know, it, it just wasn't plausible anymore. But it, it is top of its game edge you know to, to be honest and obviously they have to decide as well and uh, it'll be a sad day if, if edge ever goes out of print um ho- hopefully they can keep going at least as e-magazines uh and with the site at the very least but you know it, it is coming to the stage there as i i said from the offset where you know the it's very few of these magazines that that can stay profitable. I mean, as as you said, I'm I'm a little older than you guy, and I, I do remember a time when you know there wasn't IGN or, or GameStop mm. and or GameSpot. My apologies. Um, and you know we had to get our news from magazines, and I, I remember at the the time, like my my older brother worked in a news agents, and I used to get like the damaged magazines for free at the <laughs> official PlayStation magazine, and you get the demo discs. That was the best part. That, like the, yes, the demo I discs. They were the days I mean, though. They were gold dust. I mean, you you could play just hundreds of games, and and they suited your your attention span as a younger kid. You know, you, you didn't care that it was only a half an hour because <laughs> that was that was how your your attention was held for, but. I mean, it is sad to see them go, but, you know, we, we, we wish that the staff, you know, the, the best in their, their next step in their careers. And, you know, I hope that, um, future keeps some of their other magazines like Edge going that, that bit longer. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's a weird one, but Edge is a, obviously a big title and stuff like that. So I imagine that'll survive in, in one way or another, but uh, any other news, uh, Carl? Yeah, so here we go with, with one of our favourite topics here. Oh God, is uh, it cross-play or Fortnite? Cross-platform. Yes. Uh, though I, I do think Fortnite is cited in the uh, the article, oh, yeah. quite possibly. So, you know, you get two-for-one deal here. Cross-section. Um, so Nick Santan, Santangelo, or Santangelo, if, I sorry, if I'm always butchering names from IGN. Right, Rocket League's cross-platform party system has been delayed. Cyanox has delayed the release of its planned cross-platform friends and party system for Rocket League, dubbed Rocket ID. The system was originally supposed to launch this month, but that will no longer be the case. A post on Rocket League's website explains that Cyanox has made the difficult decision to push. Rocket ID out of September included in a future update. We want to ensure that Rocket ID is operating flawlessly on all platforms before its release and this extra time will ensure that you'll be playing and partying up with friends on different platforms with ease. Psyonix isn't planning to reveal more details about Rocket ID's new release window until quote, the time is right, end quote. It sounds as though the absolute earliest right time will arrive is early October when the studio plans to unveil its autumn and winter roadmap in another blog post. Rocket ID's delay follows Psyonix deploying Rocket League's largest changes ever in the form of the progression update. That update brought changes to player progression and the experience point system along with the additions of Rocket Pass and clubs. Psyonix ran into a number of issues after rolling out progression update, including ball physics and control input problems it's since patched. 
and seems keen to avoid releasing Rocket ID until its shared assistant can be deployed without creating more issues. And you can read the full story over on IGN. Uh, correction, actually, this particular story on the matter doesn't mention um, Fortnite. However, I did read the similar story on another site, which did kind of mention that Psyonix had kind of hinted that they're hoping that, you know, the delay will, will also allow them to include PlayStation in the, the conversation and, mm. and hopefully get the permission, as they put it, to, to move ahead with the crossplay. And, uh, you know, hopefully that, that the, the beta with Fortnite is, is only the start there. So, you know, uh, I think it was kind of inevitable that this would happen, that, that Psionics are, are going to push it to get, you know, cross-platform with PlayStation 5 in, involved in, in this Rocket ID system you know, sooner rather than later, and, and why wouldn't they, you know, kind of kill, kill all birds with one stone and, and get all the, the platforms done at once? Uh, what do you reckon? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Rocket League's pretty much the perfect game along with Fortnite to experiment and beta and test out um, cross-play. And, um, yeah, I'm not surprised they're trying to perfect it before it goes to release. I mean, I, I, I've played a bit of Rocket League. I haven't played it since they've put in the progression thing, so I'm not, I don't have hands-on experience with, uh, the glitches and stuff in the, in, before that was patched. But, um, no, I mean, <clears throat> obviously, I, I think you can play between Xbox and computer on it anyway, unless some people have really weird gamer tags. <laughs> uh, that. But, yeah, Rocket League, Rocket League's just perfect, because it, it, basically a simple game and it, it doesn't really matter what platform you're on and it's pretty much perfect to just have a, a mess about with a few mates for for an hour or two and I think that's what crossplay is about especially in this early stage I mean there's obviously the scope of crossplay on Call of Duties and stuff like that but Rocket League it's just the perfect thing for this game as I keep saying it's just uh, it's probably the perfect testing ground if anything it it really is. I mean, it, it kind of, as you said, you do when you're playing on PlayStation as well. You you come across PC players aplenty, and and it, you know it's it's noteworthy that like crossplay and Rocket League is is there by default. Whereas with Fortnite, you actually have to choose to go into it because, of course, for the shooter, PC <laughs> players will have an advantage. You don't have that with with Rocket League. I mean, it's it's basically an, an even playing field. So, I mean, it, it is a no brainer to to get crossplay on there as soon as possible and i can't see a reason why sony won't green light it you know after after already green lighting um fortnite you know so so i'm sure kind of hopefully in the new year that that we'll see um kind of rocket league kind of launch this this rocket id system and and that that'll also come alongside uh, the introduction of the, the playstation 5 into to the or the playstation 4 my apologies <laughs> into the family so that was last week car. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've, I've still got next gen, you know. I'm sure, sure next week we'll we'll have more next gen news most likely, but um unless all the the journalists are are taking a day off to to play Red Dead, but Yeah, Friday um, next week is not going to be newsy. <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, no, um I I mean it, it's it as we said, it's it's a no-brainer and it's it's uh it's 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 welcome news for for someone like me who enjoys playing Rocket League. So uh, looking forward to, to that. And we'll, we'll move on to our last news item. Cause I know guys like just, just get it over with. We need yeah. to get to Red Dead. Um, 
And this last news uh, concerns um, another PlayStation exclusive, and the title there is Days Gone Delayed to April, Concrete Genie Coming in Spring 2019. And that comes from VG247 and was written by Sharif Saeed. And Sharif writes... Sony has shared an update on some of the most anticipated games created by its worldwide studios teams. Days Gone, which got a February 22nd release date back in June, has now been pushed back to April 26th, an over two months delay. The delay moves it away from the very crowded February to March release window, and developer Ben Studio will be using this time for polish. Today's blog post also gave us an update on Concrete Genie, Pixelopus's I'm not even going to try and say that again. (laughs) Painting action adventure. Though no release date was provided for the game, Sony confirmed that it's targeting a spring 2019 release. Everybody's Golf VR, a VR version of the popular golf game, is too shooting for a spring 2019 release. Days Gone has not been especially well received in pre-release previews, and Game Informers reveal that the first hour did not go down well online either. Hopefully the delay will help Ben turn things around as the game does appear to have improved in the most recent footage revealed at TGS 2018. And you can read the full story over on VG247. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised by this. We were only discussing the other day how packed that end of February is, you know, with the, the likes of, um, I think Crackdown 3 is coming out mm-hmm. and Anthem and, not I mean, Metro, yeah, is another one, and I, I swear there's one other game at least uh, coming D- out. That Division's the uh, middle of um, March, which kind of ties into it as well. Pretty close as well, yeah. So it's a, it's a real packed spring. You know, a lot of the games seem to try and dodge Red Dead, and rightly so, and they've ended up in the spring because they, they want to be there for the the fiscal year. And I mean, it it makes a lot of. Uh, sense why Days Gone would want to get away from that and also to give more time to, to polish and you know I, I think game delays don't really bother me personally because I mean if they need to make the game better and, and I do remember there has been that backlash online about the previews and I, although I don't share that opinion I've liked what I've seen and, mm-hmm. and what I've heard I'm really looking forward to this game I mean I like the way you know it's open world but there, there, it got, that comes with a warning label you know you can risk going to a place, but like it's supposed to be, you know, if you kind of go away from where you're supposed to go, it's very punishing. And, you know, there's high risk, high reward type of thing. And I really like that, that uh, kind of concept. And as I said, I'm really looking forward to this one. So it doesn't bother me that it, it's delayed. Um, but I'm sure it will rub some people up the wrong way who, kind of some gamers are impatient that's just the way they are and i mean as well and i'm sure the media as this article seems to have indicated aren't gonna you know they're 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 obviously going to make the connection that the bad reception has something to do with the delay what do you reckon guy yeah i I think um days gone being being uh, delayed it it seems like the right uh, uh, right plan to me i mean i've got the game releases in front of me and there's so many that are just simply unannounced, and Ubisoft seemingly haven't announced um, when their games are out, and they've always got February um, slash March releases as well. So going to April, which is kind of the start of the dead zone, isn't it? It's like pretty, what is it, April slash May till about 
August, that's when it's just dead, apart from that one year we got like The Witcher. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it completely makes sense for me. And um, in terms of the, the reception, I mean, it's. I think we mentioned it. It might have been the E3 preview, if I remember correctly, that the zombie genre is a bit tired and stuff like that. And um, yeah, I can kind of see. I can kind of see why that had hamper people's perceptions of it. I mean, when I first saw it at E3, it might have been 2017, because it, it wasn't at this year's. It was kind of lost in, in one of those crappy uh, intermissions <laughs> that um, it might have been 2017. And I thought it looked good, and it probably wouldn't make me buy it on PlayStation 4 or whatever, um, like, I, like I've done with uh, Spider-Man, and I eventually got God of War, as I said in last week's show. Um... But if it, say if it was on Xbox, I probably would get it, um, because my mates do seem to like zombies still, whereas I'm not that bothered. But uh, yeah, I don't see why it's come with a bit of a backlash. And in terms of the overall um, games being delayed and stuff like that, I mean, we're about to talk about a game that's got delayed a whole year. <laughs> and we are looking forward to this game more than anything else in, in the industry. So I'd, I'd rather... I'd rather companies get it right. I know this is only getting delayed a couple of months more, more so to probably avoid other games rather than improve it. But having companies improve their games as much as possible—that's only a good thing for me. There's plenty of games um, that I, I would have preferred to have seen delayed than released early. I mean, Sea of Thieves was one of the games I was looking forward to most, and I wish they delayed release because that that kind of came out. Um, just a bit empty. Same with same with uh, No Man's Sky. That's one of Sony's bigger biggest failings, I imagine. Um, but there's pl- I'm sure you've got plenty of games that you've personally experienced, Carl, that you wish got it uh, got delayed. I mean, Assassin's Creed we mentioned last week, and may if there's time talk about a bit more this one. I mean, Unity you came out with ghost faces and stuff like that. There's there's plenty of games that needed delaying, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Assassin's Creed is, is a great example. I, I think you, you have to credit, um, you know, Ubisoft for the approach they've taken there. You know, they're, they're releasing them on an annual basis and like Unity came out quite broken and, and some of the other games when, when they were doing it year on year, you know, ha- had issues and they decided, no, we're going to take a new approach. They, they stepped away. They, they gave two year cycle, um, for, uh, our origins and a three-year cycle for for Odyssey because you know it's only recently that I, I learned that Odyssey was being worked on alongside Origins and I, I think that's a brilliant uh, approach. I, I was um, today years old when I learned that. <laughs> I well, there you go. That. Yeah, you should, should, it's worth looking into. It's very interesting how they kind of played off each other and you know kind of um, Odyssey was learning kind of from Origins release and. Uh, like it was, they all, they thought all along with, with Origins, the, the idea was just to, to focus on getting the open world right and, and kind of the setting while with Odyssey, you know, the focus was the RPG elements and, you know, it, it all came together really well and, you know, it can show when you, you give some time to a game and, and look at Red Dead Redemption 2, as you said, that's been delayed and, and it looks excellent. And I mean, there's other games. I mean, I think sometimes in the industry there's, and I understand shareholders and, and that, and I'm sure they'll pop up again when we, we start to talk about the, the preview, but I mean, the, to appease them, there's all this, there's kind of a, a need to get things in and the fiscal year and all that, and, but some games suffer for it. Look at Mass Effect. 
I was going, you know, I literally I, just popped into my head Mass Effect. I was like, looking at you there, EA. <laughs> Andromeda easily needed another six months, and it could have been like a far superior game. And you know, people wouldn't be doubting Anthem, you know, now if if Andromeda hadn't been so bad. But because they rushed it out to to get it in the fiscal year, you know, and and appease shareholders and and that kind of thing, like it. it it needed more polish and I mean I have as I said I have no issue at all with, with delaying games so you know I'm, I'm hoping Days Gone kind of benefits from the time and also having as you said that kind of April May when it's kind of a safe period to release kind of mid-tier games that, that might not be big names uh, it kind of gives them some breathing space so I, I think it's good the only real question is I know a lot of people kind of expected a, a summer release for um the last of us too now i wasn't one of those i've always said holiday and even then i wouldn't be shocked if it's pushed a few months beyond that but i mean i I think this kind of rules out you know kind of having like one thing having days gone in february and having last of us in june Mm. might have kind of made some sense but but now you know the idea of having one in april and the other one in june it's just would be ludicrous like so I, i think we're looking at kind of September, October, at the earliest for for uh, the Last of Us Two, wouldn't you say? Yeah, the thing is, Last of Us Two is going to be next year's um, uh, RDR, isn't it? Everyone's going to want to avoid it. Um, so, so whenever that is, people are going to work around that. And the fact that Days Gone is um, is uh, is <clears throat> is coming out a bit later. It's gonna, it's gonna let it open up. Um, Last of Us Two, that that's gonna want its own free patch. I mean, if that got pushed back to September, like you're suggesting, that's gonna be fighting against FIFA. <laughs> that's about it in September. Because there's not Destiny tends to be September release, so that might have a DLC, but that's not gonna draw people away from Last of Us, is it? Let's be honest. So yeah, I, but I think the main thing is that Last of Us could probably release it. If they released it tomorrow, it'd probably do better than every most other games. But um yeah, whether that's summer, there might not just be that asked about Days Gone in 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 correspondence to to uh, to I'm getting bloody zombie games getting mixed up with the tale <laughs> with uh, Last of Us that that could just release that could still release in summer and I don't think it I don't think it'd impact Days Gone too much. Um because I think they're completely different. If you got lost, if you got Last of Us One, you're probably feeling how I'm feeling about RDR Two right now, <laughs> with Last of Us Two in mind. Whereas Days Gone's a completely new thing, and um, yeah, maybe maybe Sony are just thinking if if it's got that much of a bad rep, which I haven't experienced myself, but I haven't really kept up to date with it. As I said, maybe they're just thinking. Let's just see how Days are gone. Days gone does, and we're not that arsed because we've made a lot of money off our other exclusive, and just see how Days gone and anything positive will be a surprise. But yeah, I, I, I think Last of Us Two will it get another E3? That's probably the question mark. Do you want, do you think they'll hype it up again? Because we saw Spider Man get two, didn't we? Um, is that what you'd say? Yeah, I, I, I think think so we could see like kind of an extended um gameplay kind of feature a bit like what we've seen for spider-man a uh, big bigger chunk of the game maybe shown off 
um, at E3. Um, I think that's that's definitely plausible. Um, I mean, just now the the interesting thing will be like could could we potentially like obviously as I said I expected it all along, but but now this seems like more proof like could could we be having the last of us and cyberpunk going head to head for oh, for God. kind of game of the year and game of the christmas season uh, ne- next year especially if i'm correct with another one of my predictions that that i don't think there'll be a call of duty next year so could, could be massive although we do have a star wars game next year that, that's not f- hopefully a good star wars game this time so <laughs> yeah could, that, could, that's the question mark. Uh, yeah <laughs> but i could, do like could respawn. Be ex- i do like respawn exactly they're the good studio so could could be an interesting kind of end of of uh 2019 you know if, if we have those three big titles gone gone head to head yeah that's the thing i mean obviously um cd project red tend to keep stuff a lot very secretive <laughs> um so it'll be interesting to see when they release but if, i imagine that must be next year um especially with the big game, gameplay reveal and obviously them doing e3 maybe they get one more e3 um, because it depends what Xbox will have, so maybe they do a more in-depth thing for that, and then that can be October, November, and if Last of Us, as you said, you may have a feeling that it goes into 2020, that might be like a final goodbye to this gen kind of thing, um, as the last big one, and then as similar as Last of Us 1, that can then go on to PS5 as a remastered edition and stuff like that. So that that might be the plan in there. Quite possibly, we'll have to wait and see for for more. I'd say for the till the time, but more likely for for some leak or or something. You know that that's inevitable with these things. Yeah, ne- next year's E3 is gonna be gonna be interested, especially well. PlayStation may have a couple things that um not regurgitated is probably the wrong word. That sounds negative, but was on last year's and gonna be on next year's because uh, that. Ghost of Shishiba, uh, Last of Us 2, it'll, it'll probably be there. But, if that's the end of the news, Carl, I, I think I'm ready. I, I'm ready to talk about RDR. I'm very ready too. Although, we do start our, our preview, most likely, with uh, one last kind of somewhat news story that, that probably people would be shocked if we didn't comment on uh, how familiar are you with the, the goings on this week in relation to a, a certain comment from a certain elusive studio head at Rockstar if I'm honest nothing at all <laughs> I, I, I'm very much out the loop this week uh, you, you've been keeping keeping uh, kind of um, yeah. radio silent well yeah I'll fill you in, guy. Basically, um, Dan Hauser, in a rare interview over the weekend, uh, made a comment which all pe- a lot of people took boastful. Now, I, I kind of tried to to say it's it's hard to to take, you know, when you're reading something, to kind of sometimes it's, it's hard to give a context. But he basically mentioned how you know a hundred hour working uh, yes. Yes. had been put into Red Dead. And there was, there was a massive backlash to the idea of boasting about crunch and kind of employee welfare and that kind of thing. And he later rebuttaled it by giving comments to IGN where he said he was referring to himself and a small number of his writing team, you know, composed of kind of higher people in the studio. But, you know, after that, and there's, there's been kind of 
journalists who come out and say they have off the record comments from uh, uh, employees at Rockstar that say no, there is crunch. And then you know this week, this week we've had you know only I think it was yesterday Rockstar kind of announced that they were letting their employees off the kind of leash to talk about work on social media if they wanted to and some employees came out and kind of defended it though i'd say defended kind of lightly because i mean it was interesting to me that they were like oh no i've never worked 100 hours most i've ever worked is 79 hours and that was like once or twice and it's like 79 hours is still kind of crazy (laughs) i mean I remember my last job, obviously, in the in the gambling industry, you know, we had to work extra time around, like, festivals and big sporting events and it'd be kind of compulsory almost that, that you'd work. They'd add, throw an extra 10 hours onto your week. Now, you could get out of it, but it was kind of frowned upon. And, I mean, but that's, that's 50 hours, and that seemed kind of immense, like, let alone, you know, a 69 hours or some of them were saying 75 and... You know, obviously crunch isn't something exclusive to Rockstar, but at the, the same time, it is, it, it's kind of putting a bit of a sour note so close to, to the launch. Uh, what do you think, guy? Yeah, it's, uh, it's not great. I mean, as soon as you said the hundred hours, I, I did hear about this story. I, I, I just didn't, it didn't click with me. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's not great. Um, Rockstar's always kind of been a bit, secretive hasn't it it's never been the most it's never been Bethesda has it? it's never been open about everything and anything uh, <clears throat> it's it, it's just not a good situation I mean it's not it's not it's, it's not going to affect anyone's enjoyment of the game maybe the employees if anyone's secret well not secretly bitter or anything like that but maybe the employees won't be able to enjoy it after working so hard on it but it's not going to affect any fans enjoyment of the game and I think stuff tends to snowball especially in this new social this is going to sound very right wing of me and this is going to sound weird social justice warrior and stuff like that but yeah working 60 hours plus 70 hours plus is, is pretty bad and maybe that's I'm not sure what it's like for other gaming um, gaming companies and stuff like that but working towards a deadline is obviously very very pressure filled and as we said this has already been delayed um a year and a bit actually because i think it was meant it was meant to be spring 2017 i think um so that's a big delay so maybe the panic slightly and maybe could have been put back even further which obviously would have killed a lot of the fan base me included but um yeah maybe they just that ambitious with the game and obviously it's already been delayed in nearly 18 months um, to just overly ambitious which is all it's never a bad thing over ambition in, to, in, in the gaming industry but when you've got deadlines to meet um, yeah it, it, over ambition has to be met with um, realistic output doesn't it and it, 100 hours might have been a bit hyperbole but as as some workers have said, as you said, 70-odd hour weeks, it's not great. <laughs> and I'm not sure how much they've been paid and, and stuff like that, but it can't. it's not that good. It's not that great a situation, but um, I'm sure it'll be forgotten about soon. Hopefully it doesn't um, sour anything over the coming week. 
Yeah, I mean, I'd agree with you. I don't think it's going to affect the game. I know some people online, kind of online chatter, are like, oh, you know, maybe we could buy, boycott the game, but but that was never going to happen. No. And, and at the same time, as, as people pointed out, you know, these people have slaved over the game, and then suddenly you're boycotting it. You know, what was the point in them slaving over the game? And, I mean, if we were to do this, would we not be boycotting 90% of games? Because let, let's be honest, there, there is crunch everywhere. And, and I'm not dismissing it as an issue. It, it is an issue, and I think there has to be something done. Because this isn't the first example. We, we've heard this about so many games. And, and although... You know, one positive for Rockstar is the message I've gotten from reading a lot of the employees' comments and, you know, kind of from some more anonymous Rockstar employees that have spoken to, to journalists and the like is that it's been better, you know, for Red Dead than it was for GTA. You know, you get the impression things weren't great for GTA 5. There was a lot more crunch and 80 hour weeks. And I gather when they were talking about these 79 and whatever that they were talking about in the past. And, and I imagine that was probably for GTA five. So it, it is good that they, at least Rockstar are improving on that. But, but obviously from, from what we're hearing, there needs to be even more improvement. And, you know, it's, it's weird the kind of contrasting opinions we're getting. And, you know, uh, Jason Schreier at Kotaku is apparently working on kind of an expose article, a big one where he has a lot of kind of input from, from Rockstar employees that like sources that, that he's managed to, to get. So, you know, I'm sure that will shed even more light on the issue. But I, I think overall, this is a, an industry wide issue. And, you know, it's not fair for us to just for anyone to point the finger at Rockstar and say, oh, it's all their fault because this, this goes on. You know, you've, there's been stories about, we were talking about CD Projekt Red before, and I, and I know maybe Eastern European culture is, is a bit different and maybe it's less of a, an issue to them, but at the same time, they're people, you know, so uh, there, there's been talk there of, of some bad working conditions. And I mean, uh, it is industry-wide and I think it's it's, the idea should be kind of shedding a light on crunch and you know employee working conditions as a whole in the industry rather than saying pointing the finger at rockstar and saying oh red dead 2 is is marred by this this uh negative crunch and you know the blood and sweat of the the you know the the employees kind of pouring into the game kind of sullies it you know i don't i don't think that's the, the proper kind of uh narrative to have on in regards to this personally yeah, it shows the employees care as well. That, that, it, it may not be the best conditions, but anyone willing to work stupid hours shows they really care about their industry. And Rockstar obviously made some of the best games, it, it, well, it, some of the most popular and best games in the history of gaming. And it, it just shows that they hire the best and are one of the best. Um, but as you said, it's gaming wide and it kind of links into that telltale story where their their employees weren't looked after. So maybe stuff needs to change, but it's just, it's a bit of a sour note. And if the Kotaku um, article is very, 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 very damning, um, it might snowball it into something else. But hopefully it's a bit of a mixed bag and not everyone's getting... Um, Worked, worked to death sounds very harsh, but overly overworked, rather. Um, so yeah, let, let's, let's just see where it goes and shall, shall we move on to the actual preview then, Carl? Yeah, I think it's about time. Right. 
So there's only one place to start when previewing a sequel. It's with the, or a prequel, should, should I say, um, is starting with the first game. So, Carl, what, what did RDR want? Well, it's, it's technically RDR2, isn't it? Uh, but what, what does the RDR franchise mean to you? I know you've mentioned a couple of times that you didn't play slash enjoy Revolver, um, but let's, let's just stick with Red Dead Redemption, shall we? So, what did RDR1 mean to you then? I mean, it was it was um, a sleeper hit almost for me. I mean, you know, I, I remember I I said this before in the podcast when we were talking about a, a story related to Red Dead Redemption Two. Uh, you know, a few months back, that like I bought Red Dead Redemption the same day as another game, and I think I was more into the other game. Like I went out to get the other game more so, but I can't even remember what that game was, which which will tell you how <laughs> massive Red Dead Redemption was for me. I mean. Like, it's not to say I wasn't excited for Red Dead. Of course I was. I loved Rockstar. I mean, GTA 3 and, and Vice City were two of my favorite games of, of all time at the point. And, I mean, I loved, uh, as as you said, I wasn't a big fan of Red Dead Revolver, but I loved Gone, which came out a year later from Neversoft. And I think Gone really laid the, the foundations for Redemption in a lot of ways. And I, I don't think it, that game gets enough credit. Like, it, it was a brilliant game. And I think anyone who hasn't played it, you know, if, if you're ever looking for something to play when you finish Red Dead Redemption 2 and want a bit more cowboy, give it a, I'm assuming it's probably backwards compatible for Xbox One. I hope I think it is. So, yeah. I mean, it, it's an excellent game. And, you know, I, I think it, it was just, I don't know why there weren't more cowboy games. There, there hasn't been that many. I mean, obviously, way back oh, when there Call was. Call of Uraz. Yeah, there was, there was the Call of Uraz, um, Call of, Suarez or Yarez or whatever. I, again, you know, Suarez. <laughs> Suarez. It could have been any of the, all the S's. I mean, I, I heard. I never played that myself, but I heard good things. And obviously, way back when, we had Sunset Riders on the the Mega Drive and the SNES. But I mean, I, I'm surprised there hasn't been more cowboy games because I, I suppose it's a bit like Western movies as well. They you don't mm. get too many modern westerns. But like, I personally love westerns. I mean, I grew up yeah. like watching westerns with my dad and watching westerns and i remember my granddad was really into westerns like books and movies and like i mean i always kind of grew up around westerns and i've always enjoyed them and so the idea of being able to step into a western and, and play a character you know first with gone and, and later with red dead redemption was massive so when i finally got red dead redemption i mean it was just it was amazing i mean the, you know when it, you take your first steps as, as james marston and you know it's it's just it, it's just it, it's indescribable almost like the the experience i mean like it, it it put like let's not forget the last gta before that was gta 4 which is probably my least favorite of the 3d gta's like it was a great game that could be wrong but it, it left me wanting more and i think red dead kind of came in and gave me what i wanted it, it gave me a character i really cared about and you know, it, it was an adventure that had me, I just, I, I couldn't stop playing it. Like, I remember I had to go away kind of a couple nights after I got the game and I was gutted to be going away. Like, I was like, I can't wait to get home so I can play more of this game. Like, it was just, it was such a good game. What about you, Guy? What were your early impressions? Oh, God. I mean, I, I was I was so hyped for this game. I was, I was doing... I think I've told this story in this podcast before. Um, <clears throat> I was doing my GCSEs, and I had a P um, revision group on the same day that came out. 
yeah, I didn't go to that revision group. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did not go to that. Uh, and I got a D in P. Um, <clears throat> so that, that didn't help. But, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, what, what a game. I mean, I, I quite like the fact you brought up Gun and, st- and stuff like that, because I hadn't thought of that. I, I had played Gun, um, previously. I think I played it on original Xbox, uh, if I remember correctly. And then, um, I, that's where it started. I mean, I've not been the biggest fan of Western films, but I've always quite liked the uh, the Wild West uh, situation in, in games. I mean, it's not really a Western, but uh, Wiki Wiki Wild Wild West with Will Smith is a good film. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I played... I can't remember if it was before or after... Um, Adia, if I remember correctly, but I played one of the Call, Call of Juarez um, um, games that I really loved. Um, there was one that was set kind of in more modern times that was really bad, but I can't remember that one. The Cartel, I think it was yeah, called. Yeah, that was awful. Yeah. That was an awful game. Um, it had a good ending, but it was an awful game. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, Adia was just, it was just perfect. I mean, I, I was probably young and naive. I mean, I was still probably stuck in the Call of Duty phase, but Adia was just it was almost an awakening <laughs> to what a good game was. I mean, I'd obviously played Oblivion and your Halos and stuff at that point. I don't even think I've, I think Mass Effect Two came out with this on the same year. I hadn't, I hadn't played that yet. But RDR is I can't remember. I can't remember where I put it in my top ten games, but it was definitely in there. Um, and good God, it it's just such a special game. I mean, it's one of the best characters in gaming history for me. And it's just one of the best worlds. It's just for that time as well, 2010. There was just nothing like it, and it it, it kind of had all the best parts of Gun and made them more personal and more interesting. And that that's fantastic to me. And this and this RDR2 looks like it's just going up another level, or even two. Or, or even three. I mean, it, it's insane. We, we, we don't know what this game's yeah. gonna be. <laughs> I know it's it's like it looks the the upper it looks limitless what you can do in this game like I mean what watching I was kind of rewatching the the gameplay kind of trailers earlier and I was like it's, I just thought this is insane like it's I mean as you said there like Red Dead Redemption had a great protagonist and it, it did you know he's he's also one of my favorite characters in in uh, gaming you know up there with the likes of Geralt and uh, and and the likes but I mean. At the same time, he was a character, you know, you were, you were almost, you, you, you controlled him, but, you know, you, you were on a set path. I mean, okay, you could do some questionable things sometimes, but ultimately, you know, James was who he was, or, or John, sorry, who, who was who he was. He, he was, you know, he was a former kind of criminal that, that was kind of on a path of redemption and, you know, you couldn't stray too long off that path. But in the new game, it seems almost like you, you can be who you want to be. You know, you, you are a bandit, but you can be a bandit with a conscience. You can be a bandit with, who just does not care. You know, that, I mean, the, the character looks so, so moldable and, um, maybe that's, that's where we should just start maybe on the, on the preview guy and on the, uh, the, the new protagonist. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, it's not a sequel, as I said in the introduction. It is a prequel, and we are with um, Dutch's gang again, which obviously played a big part in RDR1, uh, with John and, and Dutch specifically. 
But in this one, we play someone called Arthur Morgan. Um, so I'll start off with your thoughts on it being a prequel. And um, obviously in, in RDR1, we saw you take over as John's son for the end game. Uh, Jack, if I remember correctly. Um, and obviously you get his redemption mission where he, you have a deal with the, the bloke who killed your father and stuff like that. When you when you heard it was a prequel, do you think that was the right way to go about it, or would you have liked to have continued Jack's storyline, for example? Yeah, um, I, I mean, I I don't really know where Jack's storyline could have could have went because I think the message of the ending of Red Dead Redemption was that the, the Wild West was dying. I mean, mm. that you know that's that's what the the message there was with the the FBI almost or the precursors to the to the fbi coming coming in and uh the the cars and you know the the wild west was was dying you know and maybe we could have seen how could have been somewhat interesting to see how kind of jack would would adapt to to that but you know at the same time I, i think jack's story kind of ended with a simple act of vengeance and, and getting revenge for his, his father on the, the federal agent who, who betrayed him. And, you know, so uh, I'm, I kind of think this was the, the better, the better path because like I, I found myself uh, during Red Dead Redemption thinking like I'm, I'm hearing about this vandaling gang and, you know, Dutch and, and all this. And, you know, how, how did you, how did John go from being in the gang to, mm. to being here with his settled family? I, I, I want to know that, you know, and so I'm so glad they decided that that was a story worth, worth telling. And, and although rather than, you know, I, I would have expected maybe that you'd play as, as John, you know, it's, it's not like Rockstar to, to, to go with the obvious. And, and that's why they've, they've brought in a new protagonist here with, with Arthur Morgan. Um, I, you know, I was, I was originally going to say a nice, Irish name there and although apparently the majority of Morgans do live in Ireland that the name actually originated in Wales so I'm a little disappointed at that but you know we're we're not getting an Irish protagonist but oh well what can you do but uh, yeah like uh, the thing with Arthur Morgan is I don't know anything really about him yet because you know you're watching the trailers it looks like he's completely moldable by by you you know you can you can be totally dastardly or, or you can be like a nice guy, you know, kind of a, a criminal with a, a conscience that, you know, maybe, 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 maybe he's in the gang because, you know, he feels a connection to his brothers and, and his sisters within the gang, but at the same time, he's not so sure on their actions or, or maybe he's just as, as, you know, without a conscience as, as we assume Dutch is. Like it, it can really go either way. And I mean, sure, for, forget about like the, his, his like kind of mental, traits um i mean physically i mean you you can you can decide to to not paid like i mean that's that's how customizable it is you can go around stinking and having women like back away and cover their mouths when you walk past <laughs> them you know this this is how customizable arthur is in this game like it's it's crazy do you think that's why they've not gone back to john then um is that we know what john becomes obviously he becomes this, uh, well, he's working with the FBI, if I remember correctly, isn't he? So he, he always, he's, he's obviously got this slight white knight redemption story, and we know how his story plays out. Is that, is that why do you think they've gone for Arthur Morgan, who, as you said, is just an unsculpted piece of clay? We can now do what we want with Arthur, whereas if it was John, it's like, 
well, we know what he's going to turn out to be, so what's the point? <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously they they could have had a bit of an arc for for John, where maybe he's a he's a jackass at at the start, and then he kind of grows a conscience. But but at the same time, I suppose it would have been preset that at least at some point you'd know your your John was going to end up kind of regretting what he'd done. Whereas with with Arthur, either way, whether he ends up you know, kind of being the the redeemed criminal, or whether he end like John was, or or whether he ends up being, you know, the worst of the worst. You know, a, a murderer, a thief, and a, a chief. You know, it's not really going to change. It's not going to impact what happened in Red Dead Redemption One. So it, it does make sense because it, it clearly, from the, the gameplay they've shown so far, they they want to make this your character so as you put it you know a moldable piece of clay he had to be a, a piece of clay and it's made sense the the direction that they've taken I, I reckon yeah absolutely I mean I haven't got the the agenda in the chat here for you Carl and the listeners it's not going to keep in this order we're going to jump about it and obviously you've mentioned that uh, this kind of a paragon and renegade system that's 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 um that's and that's uh that's the wide term for it now because Mass Effect started that so now that's what it's getting called so do you think that's the right thing to put into a game now obviously we see um, Assassin's Creed kind of put it in their game um, do you think this is a right fit for RDI is it just makes your character a bit more personal when you can decide what type of person he is I mean I, I think this this goes even beyond Renegade and, and Paragon. I mean what what did Renegade and Paragon really impact? Just maybe your, Well that that's it. You're you're uh, in in number two Mass Effect two, your your shepherd would scars would heal if you were good somehow. But if you were bad they wouldn't really heal. <laughs> um unless you paid for a real expensive research item way later in the game. But I mean, you know, you you're you're Shepard would talk with a bit of an attitude if it was a renegade and kind of be a bit more nice if it's a paragon. But like here we're watching like if you murder someone, their wife like remembers and hates you and like could like point you out to police or something like that. And similarly, like you get bounties on your head and you know, you have kind of the police investigating you. And I mean, it's crazy like the how these choices are, are going to impact you. I mean, you could become the most wanted man in the West and you, you might not be able to show your face in a saloon without being attacked if, if, if you choose a certain path. And similarly, I'm assuming it wasn't really shown, but if maybe you're, you're show too much of a conscience, then maybe your gang members might start to question you. So, I mean, it seems the choices you make massively impact you know kind of how your story unfolds and and kind of how the game plays like it's this this might be one of the most kind of sophisticated kind of um good or bad kind of karma systems that that we've seen in a game wouldn't you say yeah it certainly looks like that i mean just from from the trailers which is obviously what this preview is based off quite a bit um, the wife example you give it there that that's the one they've showed and it looks very interesting doesn't it I mean if if it moulds your entire game I mean I, I'm going to keep jumping back to Odyssey which I mentioned at the end of last week there's kind of not that in depth but you can kind of see how it impacts you 
Um, but it's, it doesn't look like it's going to be as in-depth with that, because in terms of your general play, it just doesn't matter at all what you do in, in Assassin's Creed, unless you go, like, murdering everyone, then everyone's a bit of an arsehole to you, uh, and just chasing you about. But on this one, it looks like NPCs react to you, and, and that's the thing. <clears throat> and obviously, I think they use this exact terminology. They wanted to have a living world in it. I mean, just from... The trailers, um, obviously we've seen mountains, we've seen forests, we've seen swamps, we've seen deserts, which may hint at like Mexico and stuff like that, which was obviously a big hit in the first game. But what what are your thoughts on the world then, just from these trailers? It looks massive, like, I mean, like, uh, Red Dead seemed large at the time, but it looks like you can probably, this, this, I'm just guessing, I haven't really looked in the figures, but uh, maybe five, six times the size, I mean... Look at the the diverse landscapes, you had mountains, you had forests, you had desert, you had swamps. I mean, okay, they could cram all of those into a small map, and many games have, but I just don't think they will. I think that the changing kind of landscapes will make sense on the, on the map, and, you know, they'll seem natural, and that, to me, indicates a large scale, and, and the, the towns, and the cities, and the villages, and the outposts, and the camps, I mean, this looks absolutely massive. I mean, the idea as well, speaking of camps, you know, the gameplay video kind of indicates that you'll have a um, camp for your gang, and that that mm-hmm. camp will move around depending on where you are, so, I mean, that indicates to me that that just that even further kind of goes to show what kind of scale we're talking here like we're we could be talking like a we probably will be talking a bigger map than than gta 5 and and gta 5's map was massive now some of it was kind of empty redundant space but at the same time it, it was massive Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, absolutely. And and we'll stick with the camp then, um, seeing as you brought it up. It, it seems like a hub for each area, whether that's Mexico. I mean, it, it might be statewide, because if, if it's got all these areas in, I mean, swamps, you might be in um, the south. 
the mountains, you might be in the Midwest, like, the, I don't know, Utah or some stupid thing like that. My American geography is very bad. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas in Mexico, or it might even be California or something like that. <clears throat> um, yeah, it's just, it, it just looks like the camp's going to be the hub for each area. And I think there's obviously missions to improve your camp. you got to feed your camp and do missions for them and keep everyone happy. Do you think this is the right way to do it? Do you think it's a good way of keeping um, all the gang members involved? Because I imagine they'll be a big part of it. And then all the NPCs who might follow you about and stuff like that. Do you think it's a good way and possibly an easy way to just keep everyone involved? Yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense. I think it's a natural evolution of kind of the hub system almost that they had in Red Dead Redemption 1. If you remember that you were always seem to be working out of a certain place, uh, yeah. that the farm, that the ranch comes to mind as, as one of the early examples, yeah. kind of at the, the early hours of the game. And I mean, this seems an evolution of that to have this moving camp. But, you know, at first when I was in the camp, I was like, oh, that's, that's clever. And I just, my, First thought was like, oh, there'll probably be mini games, which of course there is. You know, you, you've got all the, the old horseshoe, five finger fillet, Texas Hold'em. I mean, which is great. I love playing those mini games, especially poker. I mean, most importantly, funny. fishing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's every that, game that needs a new one. Um, I mean, and f- funny story, I actually learned to play Texas Hold'em from playing it on corn, uh, when <laughs> all those years ago. But I mean, it, it's like, it, it, it it seems something even beyond simply a place where you rest and and where you buy maybe buy some stuff and and play some mini games. Like I mean, as you said, like there's you can improve the camp. You can choose to spend your time hunting or fishing to feed your your friends or kind of getting materials and um like I, I knew obviously it, it probably there'd be kind of a favor system or a, a kind of some side quest that it probably makes sense to, to come out of the camp but it seems it even goes beyond that there's these small things you can do to to get people on on side and uh, i think it's a really another great example of, of how this character is, is moldable and, and how his, his relationships with people are, are moldable and like I, i'm just I, I can just imagine spending hours just doing little things around the camp without actually kind of doing a story mission or going to a town you know it's it looks like there'll be that much to do i'm i'm gonna assume there's also they mentioned a lot about rival gangs what if rival gangs can attack your camp and you have to defend your camp mm. i mean the so many possibilities for for this what do you think of the the camp system yeah i quite like it to be honest i think it, it's a very good way to keep everyone involved. I mean, I imagine there's going to be love interests and stuff like that. Obviously, you had um, the Marston family in the first one. But I think the best thing about RDR is that they're going to want to add characters that you care about outside your own one. And I think they did that perfectly in RDR 1. Um, now, Jack annoyed me a little bit, I won't lie, but you still cared about him a bit. <laughs> um, but, but in this one... I think it want it'll want you to care about your other gang members. Obviously, you'll care about John naturally if you've played the first game, um, but it'll want you to add onto that um, in, with the rest of the gang. You'll probably have love interest, as I said, um, and it, it'll probably want you to care about it. And you can pet dogs, and they're going to be in the camp, and I'm going to protect every one of them little bastards. <laughs> I'm right um, there with you. I hate to see dogs die in, in games. It kills absolutely. me. <laughs> that used to be the worst part of the division for me. People killing dogs. 
fucking psychopaths. Um, so yeah, I think the I think the camp is just a very clever way of keeping everyone involved and making characters that more more careable. You want to care for characters in games, and I think this is a good way of doing it. And um, I quite I quite like your shout of attack of other um, gangs being attacked. I mean, we'll, we'll come on to RDR online. We'll probably finish up with that because it'll be a separate ent- entity. But that might be that might be a good way of um, doing something online that's different to GTA. But uh, we'll come to online in a bit. But I quite like that shout. Um, obviously, we've mentioned the NPCs' um, reaction to you, and um, but we've saw we saw in one of the trailer. I think it might have been the first trailer. You kind of have like a conversation with them like if you're if you're carrying something that you've hunted like a deer carcass or something like that they'll give you a compliment and you can you can uh, respond to them like that but we it's very you don't see it that often in games where npcs are an important character but is this like one of the only games that looks like it's going to introduce that i mean the witcher kind of did it but it was obviously a few years ago now. But is this the first game where you see that NPCs will be a huge part of a game, just adding to the experience? Yeah, I, I think to think that it like it really revolutionizes the the way you kind of interact with NPCs. I mean, we've seen as you said that the examples there they'll they'll try and throw you a compliment or, or maybe an, an insult, and like it, it seems that way that like you know people can pick fights with you in in saloons and. You know that they can be like you have the choice maybe of trying to pick out the the biggest guy and knocking him out to, to kind of make sure no one messes you, but at the same time they might pick you out first and it seems and and pick a fight with you and you know it seems like you can be one as we said the rival gangs. I mean you you can be bringing back some loot from like a robbery or something and maybe two or three rival gang members might try and hold you up and you can choose to fight your way out of it or or to give up the good and and maybe get your revenge later by by finding them and and taking it back and i mean it it, it seems the interaction with with npcs is is like on another level in this game and i mean it, it's exciting that i mean for me the big part of these games is is kind of you know, being able to step into a Western and, and tell your own stories. And I think there were limitations to that with, with Red Dead Redemption 1. I mean, um, I remember Greg Miller talking about it when they were talking about the topic of kind of um, making your own narratives and games. And he said when he was playing Red Dead Redemption 1, he remembers a side quest where an old man sends you to get some flowers for his wife. And then you go into the house and it turns out the wife is a skeleton and the old man obviously has dementia and it's quite sad. And he remembers like stepping outside, sighing, pulling up his um, like, you remember, you could pull up your balaclava to cover your face when you're going to do a crime and then going back in and shooting the old man. It was like a mercy killing. And I actually did the same thing. Now, I don't think I remembered to pull up my balaclava and I was like, damn, why didn't I think of that? That makes it even cooler. <laughs> just, so I was like, you're, just a co- you're just a cold murderer, you. <laughs> exactly. you, you got to think of those days, though. But no, but it was, I, I had my heart in the right place because in those days, they didn't have hospitals. They didn't have old folk homes. You know, the, this this guy was on his own like the, to suffer with a horrible disease and a dead skeleton wife. So... I mean, putting him out of his misery made sense, but there wasn't that many opportunities to do that. Whereas in this game, I feel like, you know, apparently they're talking about a 65 hour campaign. I'm, I'm 
sure that somewhat in, includes side quests and the like. But but even so, I'd imagine I, I could spend you know fifty plus hours in this game without doing a single mission because I'll just be so busy kind of getting involved in all these activities, kind of getting in bar fights and you know kind of robbing people and then kind of getting or taking out rival gang camps and like i mean it looks like there's so much to do as you said earlier fishing and and the mini games and i mean the the possibilities seem like endless in this game and that doesn't even we've seen so little of the story and we we don't know what the and i think that's that's probably purposeful on their part because they, they don't want to give too much of the story away and also because I think the story will you'll kind of get to make a lot of choices and the story will completely take its own path depending on, on what you decide to do well looking at RDR1 how did the, st- the story was originally all about Dutch wasn't it and then it was about trying to get your freedom from the FBI and then it's all of a sudden about <laughs> you're fighting off the F- well you're betrayed by the FBI aren't you is the final part of the puzzle and it's just mad how one story turns into another quite quick, and the only thing I've seen mentioned on on these trailers so far is that Dutch seems to be about the last big score to get out of the um, the band, uh, bandit business, um, and that seems to be the only thing mentioned. But that that just has that can just go anywhere <laughs> in terms of story, can't it? It it really can, like, and and that's. That's what's so exciting. Like we just don't know what's going to happen, and and we won't know until we get to play the game. But you know, even without that that kind of possibility of of an excellent story, it just the, the as I said, like it's just the pure depth of of content here. We we only mentioned there's heists. You know, people in GTA Online waited kind of months and months and months to get heists. Now it looks like we're going to have numerous optional heists in the single player, and, and you can only assume it'll be the same in, in Red Dead Online. Like it, That's just amazing that they've put that much thought into it. That It's not simply that you can just hold up a store or kind of burgle a house. You, you can you can rob a bank, and I'm sure there's more than one bank that, that you can rob. I mean, it, it's just so cool that just the idea of being able to do that, like it why would you be in a gang if you can't do heists, hmm. wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned GTA Five. there. Obviously, it was heists and stuff were more so for online. And obviously, you had a couple of missions where you robbed the jewellery store at the start, for instance. That was one of the best missions on GTA Five, And it just looks like Rockstar have added everything from the GTA Five story, which was 2012, I think. Um... And obviously this is going to be 2018 when this comes out, and it just looks like they've added all the best bits from GTA 5 and going to incorporate this in, a, in an RDR story, which tends to be a better story than Grand Theft Auto, <laughs> going off the one example. Um, but it, it just looks like they've added so many mechanics. I mean, the heists, obviously, on GTA 5, personal missions, probably more so RDR. Um, robbing stuff, obviously, could hold up um, convenience stores and stuff on, on GTA, but in a, in a all in a western setting, there is so much stuff you can do in terms of robbing stuff. You can obviously, I think you mentioned it. You can hold up a train. You can hold up carts on the road. You can rob shops, saloons, etc., banks. Um, bounty. I hunters. forgot all about the train. Actually, yeah. <laughs> that's another yeah. thing. Actually, robbing trains. Yeah. Your own great train robbery. Like it's, it it is so the possibilities. Like 
are endless. You know, as I don't think we can stress that enough. And I mean, it's not even that you're going to have these opportunities, but it's going to be how, how while doing these things, how in depth, you know, the core mechanics are. I mean, what do you think of like the, the kind of new shooting mechanics and the new even fist fighting mechanics? I mean, like GTA and, and Red Dead have always been kind of simple in how you fight. You can, how you can throw a few punches, kick, but this looks like you're going to like block and grab people. And like, it looks like they've put some actual thought in, into the, to the fighting system. Of, of, what do you reckon? Yeah, it just, it looks like a big improvement. Um, obviously hand-to-hand combat's not very common in many games, so it's a hard thing to do. And obviously, on on one of the de- on one of the trailers, um, you, I think you're fighting off two people, and one of them's got hold of you, and you're kind of like booting people away. And it just looks, can't it just looks like more real rather than in real life. If someone's fighting with you, you're not just going to all walk around in a circle like punching each other's arms like in a boxing fight. And this this kind of looks like it's just going to be a big scrap, like you'd probably see on a Saturday night in in your local town after a piss up. That's kind of the realistic fight you want to see, and this kind of looks like it's building and adding on that. And in terms of the shooting, um, obviously you kind of got to maintain your weapons by the sounds of it as well, uh, keep them clean, keep them stuff like that. And obviously, um, I think you'll have skills and and such and, and uh, to improve your your shooting ability and better guns and stuff like that. We saw in RDR one, there's a vast array of uh, of guns that you you need to get and obviously the later ones will be better um but the dead eye system seems to be the big improvement whereas it doesn't just slow down time and you can shoot them now it shows the weak spot now you can obviously shoot off people's hats which is going to just be at least 25 hours of fun <laughs> um it just looks like the dead eye system is probably the biggest improvement for me because it just looks like it it can give you so many more options rather than just spraying at everyone. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks insane. And I, the first thing I thought is, like, if I'm quick enough, can I shoot someone's gun out of their holster before they get to draw their gun? Like, how fun would oh, that God. be? Shoot I mean, someone's belt. <laughs> it, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like, that the, um, I always enjoyed the Dead Eye system, but it, it looks like they've, they've brought it to, to a whole new level. I mean, it, it looks like, you know, even more, almost even something comparable to like Vats and Fallout or, or something like that, w- without it kind of breaking the the immersion too much, mm. like like Vats tends to in, in Fallout. Like it's it, it's it's really interesting, and I can't wait to play around with it. And I mean, the other thing with the guns is you said it looks like you have to to maintain them and that kind of thing. But beyond that, it looks like it's almost customizable, and and you have choices. I mean, there's one scene where he's I'm. 99.9% sure he has a pistol in one hand and has a sawn-off shotgun in the other. I Why? mean, that's bringing dual wielding to a whole new level. I mean, eat your heart out, Halo. Like, it's, it's, uh, I mean, I, I just cannot wait to, to play around with all the, the options with, with the guns. And I mean, it's. If, if RDR can top the dual wield needler, I mean, that, that's going somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> It may well do. Like it's just it's, it's so exciting. The thought they've they've put into guns. It's like everything, as we've said. Like they they seem to have every part of the game. They've gone so much depth in. Like it's like what? How much can we do? It's it's not a question of like you know what'll pacify people or or what'll be seen as passable or like it's like 
okay, let, you know, it's like they just got like a whiteboard for everything and it's like ideas, people, and people just threw ideas and they just put them all in the game. Like it's, it, there's that much depth and, and then the horses, that's a, another thing we haven't touched on yet. I mean, in the first game, you know, some horses were better than other horses and you could get like the, the horses of, of, uh, hell, you know, in the, in the DLC, which is fun. But at the same time, a horse was a horse. But but in this, you have some horses are great for racing. Some horses are great for carrying lots of loot. You know, some horses can probably take a few more shots. Maybe they're a bit tougher than others. Um, I mean, it looks like even horses have a depth to them. You know, they're they're not just simple animals that that you ride around on. Like they, they're they're a, you know a tool of your arsenal that that you have to think carefully, like which horse you're going to bring. Yeah, absolutely, and <clears throat> one of the more shocking things I think I've read, I'm not sure if this has been confirmed actually, but I'm sure I saw it on Twitter, that horses have permadeath, which is a new experience for me. I did hear obviously, that, yeah. They seem, obviously, on every other game ever, they respawn. Um, and this, this, this terrifies me, because horses are now always your best mate on games, like Roach on The Witcher, your Skyrim horse is always your best mate. Um, if if a horse dies, I will be reloading the game. Probably me too, and and the problem is that'll probably happen to me a lot because I tend to kill my horse in games. They always lot. run off. A, they always run off a cliff on the road. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've often fallen off cliffs, or, or sometimes you just you're just caught daydreaming and you ride into the middle of a load of enemies, and then they're just popping you, and you you barely manage to get off the horse and dive behind a wagon to take cover before your horse just dies. So I, I'm sure it's got, there's going to be a lot of horse deaths out. Um, so I'll have to be quite, quite careful with, with that. But, you know, nonetheless, it's a welcome feature because it's more realistic and it's going to make you think about things a bit more and more, a bit more. Maybe, maybe you're going to be a, that bit better of a, you know, kind of a, of a, Jockey than than you might have been otherwise because you you won't want to take that misstep off misstep off that cliff cliff and maybe you'll be a bit more cautious in uh, approaching kind of any camps maybe you'll hitch up your horse a, a few kind two, of two towns away <laughs> yeah <laughs> just just to be safe you know sometimes maybe you'll you'll go in on foot you know it's it's uh I mean it'll make you think twice and and you know that that can only be a good thing you know just because it's it's more immersive that way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think we've pretty much covered everything apart from online so far. But one thing I'm going to ask you about, obviously Undead Nightmare is probably one of the best pieces of DLC in ever. Just, just ever. Do, do you think we could see a return to that? Or do you think they could top that somehow? I, I honestly, I, I don't know. It, it's difficult because I think we didn't see any DLC for GTA 5. And why would we? Because, you know, the online was where the majority of players were. And I, I, I'm the only one of my personal friends that finished GTA 5. The rest of them all just kind of played Ew. 20, 30 hours and then, and they enjoyed it, but they just said it was such a massive game. And then they went into the online and, I mean, it's like, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Red Dead Online is, is as popular or nearly as popular if they put the focus on the online. But at the same time, as you said, critically and commercially, you know, Undead Nightmare did really well as a DLC. And it is known as one of the best 
DLCs. When people are talking about great DLCs, you know, they talk about that. They talk about um, kind of uh, Fire Firepoint. I, mean, I forget what it was called, but the, the, the from Fallout Tree, Shivering and, Fa- and Shivering Isles, Isles from Oblivion. Like they are known as like the the quintessential kind of DLC packs for for games. So, like, I wouldn't be surprised to see Undead Nightmare, but uh, maybe Undead Nightmare might be, like, an event for the online, online. mode. Mm. Maybe they had, like, zombies and stuff online. That That's another option they, they have. I mean, the, but I, I hope in some way, like, Undead Nightmare will come back because, you know, I, I want that impossible task of taking down a zombie grizzly bear again, you know. And no oh, one forgets God. when they take down that grizzly bear. That was that was a <laughs> tough that was a tough achievement to get, like so I mean I'm I'm hopeful and I I think it will come back in some form. I just don't know what form it will take. Uh, I don't know if you share that opinion. Oh, I'd love to see it back. I mean if if they improve Undead Nightmare the same way it looks like they've improved this game, I mean, good God, uh, it, it'll go down again as one of the best DLCs in history. But we might as well jump into the online then. Um, obviously, the only comparison we have here is really GTA Online. But obviously, GTA is in a modern setting, so you can always add in cars, mad fights and stuff like that. But obviously, this is in a Wild West setting. Um do you think this has to be very different to GTA Online? Because GTA Online's always adapting and evolving, and there's always a new gun, a new car, whatever to add in. Whereas in in Red Dead, there's only so much you can do. Um, does this have to be more game mode kind of base? Because obviously there's the battle royale. There's going to be the, obviously the team deathmatch and stuff like that. Is it, what what would you like to see from the online? I, I I think I think you you've kind of hit the nail on the head there. It, it does. It, it it can't just be. I mean, GTA like there was there was there was kind of mini kind of side, but they weren't really side missions. They were the missions in in the online mode, uh, but they felt like side missions. Uh, you know, there was the heists later, um, and there was the the option to play kind of kind of game modes, but largely people just used it as a sandbox. They they just messed around and. They'd save up money and buy cars and have races and buy apartments. And I think although, although there is like the option of horse races and and buying better horses and, you know, kind of maybe buying buildings and stuff. I can't put a spoiler on a horse. (laughs) Yeah, it's not going to be as attractive. So I think they do have to put more of a focus on, on other things like, like the missions, you know, maybe the missions could be a bit more on depth than the missions on GTA Online where, you know, the heists, more heists, get the heists in early. And then also, as you said, the game modes though. I mean, I, I think that the rumored battle royale mode is, is a massive one and, and like on other things. And, and like I spent a lot of time on Red Dead on whatever, Basically, it wasn't called Red Dead Online, but basically the online mode for, mm. for Red Dead Redemption 1. Uh, we, my friends and I used to have a lot of fun playing like Team Deathmatch and the like on that. And I think they just need to double down on that, like, but it will be more kind of content driven than world driven because I just think without the cars and without the flashy apartments and stuff, which, 
you know, I'm a, I had friends, it wasn't ever for me, but I have friends who spent hours in GTA Online on that stuff. Like, I, I was more just kind of like to get in and mess around a bit and play a few races or whatever and then get out. But, um, like, people got really into that stuff. And, I mean, even with, it, it shows it that, like, people were saying, like, one of the, I think, rewards for, like, um, kind of, uh, pre-ordering Red Dead was like a million in cash for GTA. Like, yeah, it was. So uh, I mean, that's that's insane. It shows how big that is to people. Like, so I think I think you're you're right there on a guy, and that that they have to double down on the game modes and stuff because I don't think the world alone will will carry um, Red Dead Online. But at the same time, I. I don't even want to speculate on it too much because I imagine Rockstar have some ideas. They, they have some tricks up their, their sleeves. Look at the stuff that's coming into the single player game. I, I think we're going to see some innovations in the multiplayer. I, I don't think this will simply just be GTA Online in the Wild West. Like I think it, it'll be its own thing. There'll be a lot of new things. and I'm excited to see what they, they have for us to to be honest and and that's that's another that's another month though i mean it, we don't get that mm. till november so i mean i'm sure we'll we'll see kind of some news rolling out on that over the coming weeks not that we'll be paying attention because we'll be too busy trying no. to see how so, arthur morgan's story plays out i'll probably just load it up one day and it'll just say online and i'll be able to be like oh okay <laughs> uh but yeah it, I'll I'll definitely play it. I mean, the battle royale will be intriguing at the very least. Um, so that that'll be something to look out for. And I, 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 similarly to you, I did play a fair bit of the RDR multiplayer, let's call it. Um, I I used to do a thing called bear herding, <laughs> um, which as long as there's bears in the new one, I will figure that out again. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm quite looking forward to that. Obviously, as you said, it is a, a month after release. I mean. When GTA 5 Online, or GTA Online I should say, launched, obviously it was hellish and it pretty much screwed over a lot of people. And it was, it was pretty bad for a, a week or two. I mean, are you expecting something similar with, with, um, RDR Online? Just, or do you think they've learned the lesson now that it'll, they, they know the stresses of, of a game such as that online now and it'll be a, a much more easier, um, pathway to online i think i think inevitably with any game there's just going to be some some kind of teething problems with any kind of online game so uh, i don't think it'll be without problem but i think definitely there'll be a lot less for for two reasons one as you pointed out lesson learned um obviously here they've kind of spaced out your you know the single player games coming out and then a month later the online that gives them a little bit more time maybe to polish some stuff off online i think as well uh one of the the realities is you know, this game, although I think this game is going to do really well and it's going to sell a hell of a lot more than the first game. I think the first game sold, what, maybe like 12 million copies or something. I, I think this game uh, is going to probably maybe treble that or, or more. Um, I mean, I think like Jared Petty off that does uh, the kind of funny show um, and also does his own podcast at the uh, Red Dead Radio kind of said... The, was it this week or last week on, on one of the kind of funny games dailies that he thinks like this, this game will easily hit 50 million copies and, and it well could. But at the same time, that's not 96 million copies like GTA and it's not however many copies GTA, GTA broke records for like, not just for games, but for like, entertainment properties in general like yeah, the money I, I think that's so, battered everything <laughs> I don't think you're going to have the traffic 
quite that that you had even a month in like that that you would have had with GTA online from the offset but um but but I, I, I so I think those two factors combined I, I think it is going to be a lot smoother but it it won't be entirely smooth sailing because it, it never really is with an online game let's be honest yeah, absolutely. I uh, thought I'd just put that in because I imagine people have memories of the online launch. So hopefully they've learnt from the lessons there. But I think we've previewed this quite well, Carl. Unless you've, unless you can think of anything we forgot about. No, no, I, I think we've we've covered it all. Now the only problem is now I I even want the, the game even more in my hands. Yep. But a full week um, to go. I have, to, re- I have to re-listen to this to edit it. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to suffer even more then. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Um, but uh, as ever, Carl, um, to try and fill the. What are you going to be playing to try and fill the week then, shall we say, rather than what we've been playing? Well, I've been continuing my mission to finish as many games that I had started as possible before uh, Red Dead comes out. And I, I'm doing well. I've, I've finished Shovel Knight today. Uh, man, that that game is punishing. In, enjoyable 2D game. If if there's, I'm sure everyone who wanted to play Shovel Knight out there has played it by now. But if there's anyone who doesn't, it's a good kind of nod back to the NES games of of yesteryear, the 2D platformers. Um, I also have been continuing my kind of quest to finish off the Telltale games, and it's kind of strange that it took the studio closing to to drive me to that. But um, I finished episode or. Season one of Batman um, a few days ago, and I'm I'm near the end of season two now, and I have to say it's I can see why people people kind of hyped it up as as being you know almost to the level of the the Walking Dead and and Tales of the Borderlands. It is a great game, so I'll of course finish that off. Um, I also finished Battlefield One, the the campaign, uh, the the little kind of war story vignettes, which are, are quite enjoyable and. You know, it has me quite hyped up for, for Battlefield 5, which I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about in the coming weeks as that comes out next month. Um, but as far as this week goes and, and filling the void, um, I, as I said, I hope to finish Batman and I also, and my next game on my list is Bastion. Um, I'm sure a few people, it's kind of a Zelda-esque kind of 2D action RPG. If, if anyone hasn't played it, I, I recommend, but I'm hoping to get that finished off. Because um, I've started that game so many times and never managed to finish it, so it's, it's kind of high on my list. Um, other than that, though, I, I think I'll, I'll probably be kind of, to, to be honest, you know, other nerd interests that uh, Daredevil season three came out today, so yeah. I've got to get that binged. I've got to get that binged before Red Dead because Red Dead is just kind of totally stand in the way of it, so. That that's my battle plan. How about you, Guy? Have, have you been playing more Assassin's Creed, and are you confident of finishing it before Red Dead comes out? Um, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think next week I'm gonna have to hammer Assassin's Creed to finish it. But uh, yeah, I put in. I think I'm over. Must I think I'm well over a day's played now in terms of hours. So yeah, I'm definitely enjoying it. It's kind of grew on me a bit more. The, the um, character's getting a bit better. Um, it started off very stale and stuff like that, so now he's getting more enjoyable. He's still not up to the levels of um, Bayek from Origins, um, for me anyway. But uh, yeah, it's definitely getting better, and it, it's just obviously the second one of this um, new generation of Assassin's Creed RPGs, and, and I, I'm I'm really enjoying it, and... Um, Obviously, Origins was up for Game of the Year 
and I can't see I can't see Odyssey being up for it this year. It might be up for it, but I don't think it'll be anywhere near winning it. Um, with with the games that we, that we mentioned last week and uh, the one we previewed today, um, but it's definitely it's definitely a very good game, and I, I'm I'm loving these new new versions of Assassin's Creed. But I'm also playing Call of Duty, um, Carl, and the uh, Battle Royale Blackout mode is is very fun. I, I'm enjoying it more than I have Fortnite for uh, for a, a, a good while. Uh, that might be down to the fact that I'm actually good at this Call of Duty one. Right? <laughs> I'm, not that, I'm not that great at Fortnite. I'm uh, awful at Fortnite as well, so I, I yeah. feel you on that. <clears throat> yeah, I've always been half. To, I've always been good to decent on Call of Duty, so I think that helps. Um, and it's it's pretty much just pub. It's just a polished version of PUBG, and I, I quite like that. Um, I, I have I, to admit, I I am kind of intrigued by Call of Duty. I mean, if if it wasn't for the fact it's a sixty quid game, you know, I might yeah. go out and buy it because like I'm the same as you. I'm terrible at Fortnite, but I like the idea of of Fortnite and. Uh, I don't, as I don't have an Xbox currently, PUBG isn't really an option. So the only one I've really been able to play is H1Z1. And I do enjoy that, but, you know, let, let's be honest, it's not the most polished of games. And, you know, uh, it's it's very bare bones. So the idea of playing an actual high-profile game like Call of Duty with a, a, a a battle royale mode is is really intriguing, and I might just if if the game gets reduced a, a little bit towards the end of next month, maybe Black Friday, and kind of finished off Red Dead, I, I might be tempted to to pick it up, you know, because I, I do like the the battle royale concept. I mean, is the battle royale the the main attraction, or is the the actual core multiplayer improved as well? Or, um, I've only done a couple games online. And unfortunately, I was playing um, hardcore, which is never well. What it was for Call of Duty Four, but since then I've always played core, um, and I didn't really enjoy hardcore because I, I was. I'm pretty sure I was playing against some pro gamer, not but <laughs> <laughs> uh, he he destroyed me. But yeah, it's. Um, I think Blackouts had the best reviews. I think IGN split their review into three, so online got. I think online got the lowest rating. Then Blackout got a nine, I think, which is obviously a good score. And then oh, and Zombies, zombies got, of course, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Zombies got something, I think, got a middling eight, eight or something like that, eight point five or something like that. I haven't played, I haven't been on Zombies yet, but I'll probably experience that before the next pod, hopefully before RDR, because to be honest, that's going to take over my life, <laughs> as as we keep saying on this pod. But no, I think this is a good cod. Um, hopefully, I'll experience a bit more online. Um, to report back, but it's definitely a step in the right direction, and it nothing's ever going to kill Fortnite, but it looks like Call of Duty have got their own place in it, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what Battlefield brings to the table in a triple A, put a triple A um, BR BR release. I mean, I don't think but, uh, Battlefield's got as much hype as COD does nowadays, but. Uh, once we both play that, we may be able to compare the two if we get them on the cheap or something like that. So it'll be interesting to, to see how uh, Battle Royale, uh, Battle, Battle Royale, Battlefield does in, does in their uh, Battle Royale. Uh, this is a lot of battles. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it, it's going to be, to excuse the pun, but quite the battlefield, you know, between oh, these these three games. And I um, mean, obviously, PUBG kind of mm. isn't dead yet either. I mean, there's it's supposed no, to be coming to, to PlayStation, <laughs> of course, yeah. 
PUBG is coming to PlayStation soon, supposedly. So they might that might come alongside some some new kind of updates and that. So it'll I, I think that could be the story of of 2019 as these these battle royale games battling it out. Um, like it, just needs just needs Cyberpunk to have one on one ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it but it'll be interesting to to see how it how it all plays out. I mean, it, it's as you said, but Battlefield hasn't we we don't really know much about its its battle royale mode but i actually that's when i finished the campaign on battlefield one i actually had my first try at the multiplayer and i was playing the operations which is new to me because i was only kind of i haven't played a battlefield well it's new to battlefield one anyway if correct me if i'm wrong and mm. it, it's an interesting kind of game mode how long the bat the matches last and although i'm convinced it's impossible to win while attacking because they always seem to hold the very last <laughs> flag but nonetheless it's it's fun um and like it, the idea of kind of applying that kind of large-scale map with the vehicles and stuff to, to a battle royale mode is it, it is intriguing like so I, I'm sure Battlefield will put its own spin on on things when that comes out next month. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, I think we'll finish up there then, Carl. Uh, there then, Carl. Um, so, do you want to hand out your Twitter to the people? Yeah. So, for everything gaming and nerd related, you can get me at kmacdw. So that's C M A C D W. Good stuff, and my Twitter is just at Guy Drinkle, and the show's Twitter is at oneup underscore AI. All of this will be tweeted with the show, obviously. Um, but yeah, that's been the Red Dead Redemption preview. Hopefully, I'm not sure if the review will be the next one because we don't know how big this game will actually be, but I'm sure we'll be back either in. Probably not next week, as it's Friday next week. Uh, this game comes out, so maybe uh, a week on Friday we'll we'll come back with some first thoughts on RDR and any other news that came out. But um, till then, goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.